Coaches, welcome to this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. We're excited to share a new sponsor for this season, Watch Game Film. The simple way to watch, exchange, and manage game film. We understand that ease of use is paramount to productivity, so our platform provides you and your team with the right video solution so you can focus on the game you love. Our intuitive player includes instant replay, slow motion, play loop, rewind, and more. Plus, our platform includes video telestration and commenting features, enabling you to convey clear coaching points to your staff and athletes. When it comes to sharing and trading film, our Excel platforms offers many ways to exchange with your friends, conference, or opponents, even if they're using other film management systems. Plus, we make it easy to communicate with your own team with the ability to message user groups, individual teams, or even contacts outside your team. We know the importance of highlight reels for athletes and recruiters. A highlight tool allows athletes and teams to create the ultimate highlight reel and show their talent to the world. So what about costs? Our packages start at just $100 a year or 50 bucks per season for on-screen and in-text. That includes unlimited film and unlimited users. Our mission is to help coaches and athletes succeed without forcing them to spend limited funds on overpriced software. Ready to get started? Go to watchgamefilm.com. Again, that's watchgamefilm, all one word, .com to discover how watching and exchanging and managing film can be both simple and affordable. This episode is sponsored by GameStrat. If you're in the need of a sideline replay system, look no further than GameStrat. GameStrat has the fastest sideline replay system on the market, and they provide 24-7 customer support. Their systems can be used for multiple sports, like football, basketball, and volleyball. Bottom line, making in-game adjustments equals winning more games. Go check out GameStrat on Twitter, at GameStrat, or on the web at www.gametimestrategy.com. We'd also like to mention a new sponsor of the podcast this year, Just Play Solutions. I know most of you know about Just Play and how they can take your game preparation to the next level. From scout cards to player quizzing to installs, Just Play provides coaches with football playbook and game planning tools to prepare faster and engage with today's athlete. Make it a party to check out Just Play this offseason before your league opponents do. Visit www.justplaysolutions.com. Sign up for a free do- demo and let them know we sent you. Gotcha. All right, coaches, uh, welcome to season four of the Mesh Point Podcast. Tonight we got Coach Phil Vogt on. Uh, Coach, how you doing? Doing pretty good, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, we're excited to have you. We know we we know you do a lot of podcast stuff. You're you're online a lot with with helping out coaches, and I think we're all trying to pay it forward. So. Why don't you start by uh, maybe talking about your background, um, like where you played and and uh, uh, and where you coached, and kind of kind of how you got to where you are now um, with your uh, with your career. I got you. Well, um, football's always been kind of in my life. Uh, my dad, he was a head football coach before I was born, so I grew up on the weekends watching game film instead of cartoons. So that's how I spent uh, most of my youth, and I just kind of knew that football was going to be something I did. I played throughout high school, ended up going up to a small school in uh, northeast Iowa, the University of Dubuque. Um, first time I saw snow was up there as well during football season. 
then uh, from there, I started uh, volunteering at a local high school back home during the summertime before I would go back up for uh, summer camp. And then um, that's when I got my first taste of coaching and knew that I was going to get into that. And from there, I got came back to Brevard County and the rest is history and coaching ever since. Man, that's awesome, Coach. Hey, uh, so you're from Brevard County originally in Florida? Yes, sir. That's correct. Yes, sir. Did your dad coach down there? Yeah, he did. He coached here for a long time. He was a head coach at Satellite High School, at Melbourne High School. Um, he coached in Osceola County, uh, over at Osceola Kissimmee High School. And he's been over in um, the West Coast, too, over at uh, the Fort Myers High School. Oh, man, that's awesome. We, we played uh, Kissimmee Osceola this year in the playoffs, as a matter of fact. Boy, they spanked us pretty good. <laughs> they're, uh, they're, pretty, they're pretty dang physical. Hey, uh, one, one thing about them, man, uh, they spell uh, the Cowboys with a K, and I asked the guy, I said, what? I thought he was going to give me some great answer, you know, why they spell it with a K, the Cowboys. And uh, he's like, well, Kissimmee starts with a K. So we, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I didn't, I didn't draw the connection, man. <laughs> Yep, Cowboys with a K, and a whole lot of uh, inside beer and belly up coming at you. Oh, yeah, man. I love watching them play, that's for sure. Hey, Coach, I know one one interesting fact about you, man, is um, I've never met another guy with so many teacher certifications, man. I think you're certified just about in every single thing you can be certified in. Uh, what, what all are you certified in? What motivated you to do, a, do that when you was teaching? Yeah, well, I'm certified in biology, PE, health, business, social studies, ESC, and middle grades integrated, uh, which is no longer good in Florida anymore, but uh, I had that one on there for a long time. Uh, when I first got into uh, coaching and I wanted to be a teacher, um, the principal was out there. I was volunteering, actually, at the, uh, at the high school, at Merritt Island High School, and the principal said that if I needed to um, get a job. We were in the, the county was in the middle of a hiring freeze, and the more certifications that I could get, the easier it would be to hire me. So I came back with six, and sure enough, he got me in. I was teaching three different classes. I'm sure that was back in the day uh, before uh, the price of the tests were uh, were as expensive as, as they are now. Man, they, I think they're like two hundred fifties, two hundred fifty dollars a pop now. Yeah, yeah, they're two hundred fifty dollars a pop now. That's what I I spent less than two hundred on all six of them when I first did it. So they're like fifty bucks each. And then uh if you bought more than one they give you a discount, dropped it down to like thirty bucks. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's I, know. A, I remember those days. It's impressive. Yeah. Hey coach, talk about a little bit more about Dubuque. Um what what position did you play there and, and kind of what that was like? I know you said it was the first time you saw snow obviously coming from South Florida, but talk a little bit more about that. Uh, well, uh, in high school, I played uh, offensive guard uh, in a uh, wing T offense. And as you can imagine, when I uh, got to college, uh, there was quite a size discrepancy uh, between the, the offensive linemen that were up there and me. So uh, I was there for maybe five days as an offensive lineman. They moved me over to defensive end. And so that's where I played for the remainder of my time there. And then um, I got, uh, got injured while I was up there, but uh, – um, still finished out and came back and I mean we were having a conversation one time with uh with my with the head coach there Cody Brodigan and uh, he said that uh you know you're you're probably going to end up being a much better coach than a player uh, at the time I thought that was uh, I was real offended by that at the time but uh, 
you know, looking back now, I know what he was saying, and uh, he was definitely right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's funny how, uh, how things like that work. I think a lot of times, particularly with injury, you know, um, you kind of, well, I mean, you had a coaching background, but I think a lot of kids kind of gra- gravitate that way. So I, I probably rolls into our next question too. I, maybe talk about some mentors, you know, that you've leaned on throughout your coaching career. Um, you know, serious questions arise, you need to talk to somebody, get some advice, talk about those guys a little bit. And as far as my, my coaching career goes, I mean, of course, my father, I mean, he, he was, like I said, he was a head coach before I was even born. Um, so that, I, I had that, you know, as, as a resource that I could always contact. But another one um, that had a big influence on me is Dan Burke. Uh, he was the head coach at Palm Bay High School for uh, almost 30 years. Uh, and he, he went to the playoffs every single one of those years, except for three. Um, and I learned a whole lot under him. He gave me my first shot as a uh, as an offensive coordinator, and and that meant a whole lot to me. And he's probably the the best the best person I've ever been around on matching up personnel with people. Uh, he he knew exactly how to get his good people on your bad people. And I thought that was something that uh, at the high school level is, is something that you you just have to know how to do. And he was extremely good at that, and something that uh, I'm glad I was able to pick up from working with him. That's awesome. I, I, I can hear the uh, conviction in your voice. He's a special guy to you. Hey, I'm curious, um, did you play for your dad or no? I did, yes, I did. I uh, played, uh, and that came with a whole set of its own challenges, uh, you know, especially, you know, uh, if you end up when you end up starting, you know, people always, you know, they think that, you know, you're just starting because he's your dad, but I, I mean, it was, it was definitely, he was definitely much harder on me than anybody else. That's, that's for sure. I mean, when he was uh, close to me, especially in our position group, uh, they definitely saw that. All right, coach. Hey, let's get into, um, let's get into question number four here. We got, uh, how, how exactly would you describe your style of offense? Uh, and and uh, I know you wrote a book called The Speed T. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, my offense is, is I, you know, I, I really, there's a lot of wing T principles in there. Uh, of course, I grew up playing, and, it, uh, and I got away from it a little bit when I got out of college. You know, I wanted to be one of those, those fancy zone guys and, and spread the ball around and uh, found out quickly that um, – if you don't have the dudes to do that, uh, then it, it can be turned into long nights. So I kind of went back to my roots there and, and started studying that again. And just the ability to create angles there and, and option off people and put numbers onto the onto the flanks and get people outflanked, especially now. I'm, like I'm sure you guys know everybody and their mother runs, you know, four and five wide. So when you put a tight end and a wing and an X over into the boundary and people lose their freaking minds. So. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Coach, tell, tell, tell us a little bit about the speed T book that you wrote. I know uh, I didn't catch it at first when I, when I, um, uh, when you, when you sent it to me and, and then as I started to read it, I, I kind of put it together. Oh man, this is, uh, you know, like the jet with the wing T, you know, it makes sense. Speed T. Right, yeah, it's uh, it was just basically taking the wing T offense, and instead of uh, everything running off the buck sweep, it's running off of the speed sweep in the belly. Uh, the reason for that is is because the buck sweep is an extremely expensive play, and I've always felt that 
you have to be pretty dang good up front to be good at the buck sweep. And, you know, you got to have good tackles that can hold the edge. Uh, you got to have guards that are good in space. And I found, at least in my experience, that finding guards that are good in space are pretty hard to come by. And when you got some that are good in space, they end up playing defense for you instead. And so and it's just uh, a way that was just much easier up front for the offensive linemen, um, both the, the speed sweep and the belly G. They, they work very well together, and they both hit very fast. So your guys up front, they don't have to block that long. And so it was just it was, the book is just about gearing the whole offense uh, around those two plays to set everything else off of, and it's very easy to install. Uh, I wanted the book to be something that was very easy to read, uh, that wouldn't be filled with a bunch of fluff, but and it would just tell you exactly how to install and run the plays, but it would also show you um, how to call the plays. So it's not just, oh, here's the play, here's how you run it, here's how you block it, but also how the system works together and what you should be looking for when you're going to call this play and then what play you should call next based on how the defense reacts. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, I like I like the, the tags that you included as well, you know, so you had like a base way to run it. And then you showed some 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 other tags, you know, because you mentioned Buck Sweep. Um, that's I know that's like a, a staple play in the wing tee uh, where you pull the guards, but you can still pull the guard you showed in one of your tags uh, for the jet. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I've, I've always just called that. I call that pop thing because you're popping the guard out and. It, when you got a smart guard, he can kind of do that on his own. But uh, you know, but most of the time, especially if you're uh, you know young and inexperienced up front, you just kind of run that as a called play. Uh, you'll find that it works pretty good to the short side. You know, when you, when you don't have a tight end there, uh, especially if you just have a shade and a five there, because that especially with the speed sweep, you really don't need to block that shade. Uh, you can just pop that guard and pull, and the ball will be past them. You know, before he gets a chance to to make an impact on the play. They just pop the guard out and get him out there, extra body at the point of attack, which you'll find most of the time he'll never hit nobody. He's just out there kind of in the way, and uh, the back can kind of use him to set up a crease. But it's him being out there is what causes the problem for the defense. Um, Coach, I'm curious. Are you guys under center or gun or both? Um, I've done done some, some teams where we've had, you know, we had a really good quarterback, you know, back in 2013, 14, and we were in gun a little bit then, but most of the time we're under center. Uh, everything just seems to, to hit quicker. The backs are downhill. And, you know, a, a lot of people argue different, but there's – I've seen it multiple times. When you get under center, the mentality just changes. It changes up front. It changes for the backs. Everything just seems to be a little bit more physical and have a, a little bit more chip on their shoulders when they're carrying the ball. And they're coming downhill off the snap instead of sideways first. Yep, makes complete sense. Yep. So, uh, hey, we're we're obviously an option podcast. Just curious if you've ever incorporated any triple option stuff into what you do, or is it kind of all predetermined stuff? And most of the stuff I've done has been predetermined, and that's simply been a personnel issue. It's, it's just uh, I haven't really had many kids that can do that. I mean, I'm, as you guys know, uh, it takes a little bit of a knack. You know, for that quarterback, he's got to be kind of a heady kid, and he's got to be a really good athlete. And um, you know, I just I just haven't had that kid that can consistently run it. Uh, now I've had kids that can pull it on a predetermined call and pitch it. So we do that on with with the belly option and the dive option. Um, dive option is just uh, 
what you guys would call a zone dive. It's the same thing, but we're just predetermining it. And we know the quarterback's going to pull it, and we're going to let that guy tackle the fullback because he's been trying to squeeze down in there on us anyways, and we're going to get the quarterback out on the edge that way. Yep, absolutely makes sense. Yeah. And then, of course, belly option. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to ask you a little bit about uh, uh, belly G and, and down. I was going to ask you to uh, settle that question for me. Every, what, what's the uh, – people call it belly, belly G, down. What, what, what do you prefer? G belly, that's another one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I call it belly just because, I mean, I heard uh, – um, uh, gosh, man, why – there's no reason that this name should be slipping out of my head. Uh, Bobby Bowden. I heard Bobby Bowden, Bowden calling it belly a long, long time ago, and it just kind of stuck with me. But your true wing tee aficionados, uh, they will they will tell you that it is down. It is down G, and that's what it is. But I've always called it belly. <laughs> that's giving you the thumbs up. <laughs> it seems like anytime I'm talking to somebody about that, we end up calling it all the different names that it's called. You know what I mean? Before we get on the same page, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I do know what you mean. Yeah. Hey, Coach, one one last question before we move on on this, and then uh, you got to make sure you finish up your thought about belly option in just a second. But I wanted to ask you uh, about a three technique. How do you handle it, trap or midline? Uh, to each trap them. Makes sense. That's a wing T answer, right? Let's be honest. Yeah, the wing T, definitely a wing T answer. And uh, um, I haven't had much success uh, running midline, and again, that goes down to I just haven't had that quarterback that can that has the knack for reading that down lineman. Um, I've had I had one a long time ago. Uh, I was on the defensive side of the ball then, actually. So uh, you know, he wasn't uh, one guy. He wasn't a guy I was coaching, but we ran a little midline then. Um, and that was when I was at Coco High School. But uh, since then, I, I haven't had a personally had a quarterback that, that can do it. Well, you've you seen this new play, uh, uh, Navy's running, and Army's running, the uh, the trap midline play kind of mixed, the combination play, dual concept. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's dirty. That's nasty right there. Yeah, that's a compromise for wing T and option guys right there is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah who, are they, who are they reading? I think sometimes it looks like they're actually reading that that five tech and they're kicking the three tech and it, it I mean, they, they tore people up with it this year. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. They're reading the back. Well, it's, it's better. It's a better odd front play. So they're reading who, whoever's on the, on the backside tackle. Right. So they're trapping front side, reading the backside four, four or five, and then uh, either keeping it or giving it based on that guy's clothes or not clothes on the trap when the guard plays. So it's a, it's an interesting play. Um, Pretty expensive to uh, to work through, but I could imagine if you could get it done, it'd be great. Yeah, definitely. And I've always just run trap because it's easy, and I've always run it as a setup play. You know, we we kind of we know going in that week, okay, this guy is a guy that's going to be trap meat for us. Um, we just kind of wait for him to either be stepping up field or trying to fight outside on the speed sweep or the rocket toss, and then we'll run trap when it's a nice easy kick out for the. Uh, for the guard, but uh, you know, if you got a guy that's squeezing down in there, it's not that great a play. So, kind of got to set him up a little bit. Unless you know, you got a guy that's just if he, if he just trap bait, then he can trap him all night long. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's yeah. Hey. So real quick too. Um, I heard you say you coached defense for a little while. Maybe maybe talk about how that's helped you on offense and and vice versa. You know, just with your career and. 
because uh, I, you know, we get a lot of questions, or at least I do, about stuff like that. And I always encourage guys to be able to try to coach both sides of the ball. I think it helps the one side you're passionate about. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I think that especially somebody who's inspiring to be an OC to do two things. One, spend at least one season coaching offensive line, and two, spend some time coaching defense. doesn't matter what position. Uh, be, being a DC would definitely help. But it, what it does is it you learn what's hard to stop, um, you know, and it's a lot of that, you know, is based on your the kids that you've got, but you, you learn what schemes present you problems, what formations present you problems, um, you know, the, are you going to defend the field versus team or the boundary and what do they like to do? And what you'll find is you can develop your kind of offensive mindset, your offensive philosophy based on the things that gave you difficulties. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. That's, that's why we, we run option. Because <laughs> it, right. uh, it tends to give defensive folks fits at times. So. Boy, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, what I like about option is, is it makes it forces the defense to play vanilla. They can't get fancy because they're going to get burned. They have to. Everybody has to play assignment football, and you can go in week to week if you if you have, if you're pretty good at option. You pretty much know what you're going to get because if they come in and they try to do something exotic, you're going to break the scoreboard. Yeah, and I would think your your approach with your offense too with. Uh with down and and uh and jet and and some of the other things you're going to do probably present the same type of issues well what do you think yeah it's not going to be as as explosive as a true triple option game would be but it is very consistent and you can all especially basing off the belly g and the speed sweep you can always get consistent yardage and of course like any offense uh, if, if you got got some dudes it makes it uh, all the better but the, the idea behind it is you're going to stay ahead of the chains. And, you know, it, people like to say things like, you know, this offense isn't built for third down. It's not built for third and long. Well, I don't know what offense is built for third and long. If you're in third and long a lot, you're not doing too well. Right. Right. Coach, I had a question about uh, the belly option. I wanted to go back to that just real quick. Um, when, when I first started messing around with uh, – uh, down and, and, and down option and stuff like that when I was real young in it like we put it in as an actual uh, read so the quarterback would, would counter out and he would actually like read the guy that we were kicking whether he was going to give it or, or, or pull it and then I, I realized as we got older like um, and, and learned that man we just call it and make it easier on the quarterback we'll just call the give if he's up you know boxing and if he's, uh, you know, wrong arming, it's it's going to be an easy log, and we get out there and call the double uh, the down option. Then is that kind of how you do it, or do you actually? Uh, uh, I don't know how much experience you you, you say that uh, you have with the with the uh, down option or, or or the belly option, but do you treat it as a double option, or do you have them like read it out? It's a double option for that reason. So we're going to go ahead and log that, and then uh, the quarterback's going to get outside. We don't even. We don't even really ride the fullback. I mean, the fullback will kind of flash by and, and give an arm fake, but he's after the arm fake, he's taking a bump step and he's getting outside and he's lead blocking at the uh, third level. And we're going to option off number two. It's a great play, man. We used to, uh, we, we, like I said back in the day when we had him, uh, we thought we he was reading it. The kid, the kid was just a, such a playmaker. He'd pull it and he'd score. We wouldn't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> But we realize, man, he, you know, it's it's uh, 
that's one thing about the wing T that I had to kind of learn versus the triple option is like, you know, you have a check system and, um, you know, you check to the play, you check to the play based on how they're aligned, uh, uh, where the wing T, it's almost like you got to burn a play to see kind of how they're playing and then call your plays as a reaction. Is that, is it, would that be accurate? Kind of how you think, you know, do, do, do play calling, so to speak? Yeah, if, if I'm really concerned and I, I'm not sure what a defense is going to come out in, uh, I'll, I'll come out in either one of two formations. I'll come out in X over because that's going to show me what, how they're going to play any type of unbalance, or I'll come out in uh, what I call spread, which is just uh, two wings and two flankers because it's going to show me how they're going to line up to anything balanced. And first play is probably going to be wedge. Uh, it's a safe play. Uh, it sets the tone. We usually go on first sound. And it, it, lets, it shows me, gives me a chance to see what the defense is going to do and still get some yards. If, um, but most of the time, um, you know, if you guys, if your staff has done a decent job, you know, scouting up the defense, you kind of know what to expect and, and really can't go with your first play wrong being belly. So. Yeah, you, you actually wrote a book about play calling, didn't you, Coach? Talk a little bit about that. I, I did. Um, it was just kind of a – kind of, and I, I just wanted to get, you know, some more stuff out there to kind of help uh, mainly the young guys that are, you know, they're, they're just getting started into um, calling plays. Maybe they're getting their first OC gig or, you know, maybe somebody who's been doing it a couple of years just wants to touch up. Um, an issue that, you know, I've kind of noticed is that a lot of, especially with the young guys, you know, it just looks like a collection of plays. There's no real system there. They're just kind of calling off a whim. And, and what it is, it's just it's wing tee principles applied to all the different styles of offenses. So you've got pro style and there you got wing tee and you got spread and basically showing how to use that wing tee if then principle and apply it to all of those different offenses. So like uh, like in the spread, for example, uh, one of the first things I say in there, if you're going to be in the spread and have four wide or five wide, you, you got to have a mindset that you're going to throw it three times in a row. And that's how you're going to set up your if then. I mean, otherwise, I mean, you know, there's no point in getting in that offense if you're going to try to pound it up in there because, you know, if, you, if they got six in the box and you only have five blockers, then it, it's not going to be good no matter what the play call is. So you start off, you know, out there on the edges with your with your bubble game and your quick game to, to get the defense to loosen up. And when you see how they're reacting there, then, then you can call the next play off that. Like if you're, you're in two wide on each side, you're in a, a two by two, you know, if at one side or the other, there's going to be an outside linebacker that has to play the difference. And if he's closer to the box, you throw the bubble out there. And if he's playing the bubble, then you can hand it back off inside the box to keep your numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, making your play calls based on how they're, um, how they're reacting or how they're aligning. And, uh, yeah, I agree with all that stuff. That's good stuff, man. It's, as a young person, as a young coach, you got to kind of learn those things, you know? And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, coach. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, definitely, and uh, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, the defense pre-snap they can lie to you. You know, they'll move around, they'll stem around, uh, they'll disguise what they're doing. But uh, post-snap, they can't do that anymore, or they're gonna, or they're gonna pay for it. You'll burn them. So post-snap, they're always gonna tell the truth. So that's where the if then comes in. So that first play tells you how they're playing a specific play that you have or a specific formation 
and then you start your if then based off that. Hey, uh, just piggybacking on that, just maybe talk a little bit. Do you prefer calling it from the box or sideline, or what? What do you? What's your thoughts on that? It depends on what position I'm coaching. Uh, if I'm coaching offensive line, there's just there's no ways around it. You have to be down on the ground. You have to be down there with them so you can get them on the sideline and get them on the bench and you can coach from the sideline while they're on the field. Uh, if I'm not coaching offensive line, 100% in the box. Okay. Gotcha. Um, hey, let's transition. Maybe talk a little bit about your passing game philosophy um, and maybe how you use that to complement your run game. And so uh, with, with my offense, what I'm doing is, is I'm trying to force the secondary into run fits. Uh, I want them to be coming up and making tackles. That's what I'm trying to get them to do, whether that's the corner or the safety. Uh, there's going to be formations that force them to fit into the run game. And what, we, what I always have, I always have at least one coach that I can dedicate to watching the secondary. And what he's looking for is that safety or that corner, and we know based off formation – right, which guy we're going to watch, the safeties or the corners, because that's who we target in the passing game. And what we're looking for is for on the snap, is his first step forward, or is he playing his responsibility and backpedaling? When, when the coach sees that first step come forward, because, you know, those, those DBs, and even though they have pass responsibility first, um, when you're running the ball at them and you're forcing them to fit the run game and you're pulling guards and leading with fullbacks, uh, eventually self-preservation will kick in and, their responsibility is going to be forgotten. You know, that guard's coming out at them again for the sixth time in a row. You know, backpedaling and then coming back and taking on that pulling guard is not something that's pleasant. So he to, to give himself an advantage, especially a high school kid, you know, he's 16, 17 years old, and he's going to step forward to take that on. When that happens, all we do is we fake that play and we'll put a route right where he's supposed to be. Oh, that's great, man. So basically, you're saying you're explosive in your pass game and you throw for touchdowns. I got, I like it. Correct. Yeah, we throw for effect. We don't, we don't throw for completion. <laughs> Home runs only. I like it. That's it. Well, let's. Um, we got uh, one last question here for you, and, and a couple of loose ends. We're going to go over with you, but um, uh, let's talk about uh, how you like to help other coaches. I know you got a lot of head coaching resources you put out there on Twitter, and, and you don't mind sharing them. And you even shared with me and helped me a lot. Uh, Co Coach McLeod, uh, you don't know this, uh, uh, Coach Vogue called me up, man, and told me that my, re my resume sucked. <laughs> he says, man, this is terrible, man. Nobody cares. You know, you need to fix this. No, but the truth be told, man, his – you're, you're – uh, your resources are great, man, and, and, and the amount of detail that you put in things, and uh, um, and how you show improvement, and uh, with with numbers, and and uh, I don't know, I wrote a couple things down, like uh, you showed, you know, improvement that you made in uh, eligible players at a school, um, the amount of discipline issues that you produced, uh, participation increasements at the school, and and even stats and where you ranked amongst other schools uh, that you've been at, and. I think that's that was all great stuff that I didn't have any of that in my resume. You know what I mean? I focus on other things, and, and you, and you, you kind of got me right. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, a, it's a mistake that a, that a lot of people make is, uh, you know, they put in – it just it, it almost looks just like a list of tenured spots of where you've been on their resume. Um, or they'll do things like they'll put in um, – 
you know, uh, I'm a, a loving husband and a passionate father and things like that. And that's great. That's, that's great. But the people who are interviewing you, they don't care about that. Not at all. Not one bit. And what they want to see is how you can make them better. So that's what you need to show in your resume and in your letter of intent. So your resume needs to be set up to where you can, sh they can see right there that when you got to the place that you're at, you were, let's say, let's talk about, let's do offense first. You were averaging such and such yards per game. At this point now, where you're at now, you're averaging this many points per game or this many yards per game. And so you show that improvement. You went from 150 rushing yards a game to 310 rushing yards per game as an average. You show the improvement. Um, they love, love this administrators, you know, especially here in Florida, uh, they love they love to see the uh, you know the discipline and the academic side of that thing. So you showed you know that when I first got here, we had this many players that were ineligible. We implemented our grade degree, grade program and our study hall and our grade sheets. And you can see here, but right now we have this many people that are ineligible. And of course, you want that to show less. Don't put it in there if it didn't change much. But the, what you're doing is you're showing the way you help your program get better so they can see how you would help their program get better. And that's great stuff, Coach. That's all good stuff. What do you think there, Coach, uh, Coach McLeod? Uh, I think that's awesome. I, I'm curious, um, when, you, when, you're, um, when you're putting it all together in a resume, are you trying your best to keep it one or two pages, or do you care if it's four after? you put all that in there you want a, a one page is best a lot of times especially if you've got a, a a lot of experience that's tough to do I would say no more than two pages you know if they put that posting out there especially now you know um, with the internet and emails you know they probably get when they put a posting out there for a new head coach job they probably get 100 plus applications so when they're when they're looking at these, I mean, and they, they got these resumes that are four or five pages long. I mean, they're not going to look at it past the first page anyways. They're going to look at your, your your letter of intent, which actually needs to be the body of the email. Don't put it as an attachment. Because if you just send an email that says, hey, I'm interested in the head coaching position. My letter of intent is in the attachments, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to, that's just going to go back to the delete pile, uh, even if you might be the best representative. Uh, the best choice, but that's going to go back because there's nothing in that, in that, uh, in that email that caught their attention. So what, uh, what I instruct the uh, coaches to do and what I've done that helps me is that letter of intent. Um, it's, it's a, it's a saved document that I've sent to people, but you use that as your body of the email. So that's your letter of intent. And then in the e bottom of the email, you say in the attachments, I have my portfolio and my resume and my references. And so that the letter of intent is actually the first thing they see. So, and then in that letter of intent, you also want them to uh, see that it's like a, it's almost like a little snapshot of your resume. So you'll have I brought this team from here to here. I did this from here to here, and then you real real quick snippet of your core values of a head coach, and then you recap on how you improve the place that you were at and how you want to bring that to the next school. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yep. Actually, um, hadn't thought about making your your letter of intent actually the email response or, or the way you're applying, I guess is the point. Um, 
that's a good idea. Uh, that, that's really good. Thanks for sharing that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's something because you want it, you want it to stand out because they're going to get they're going to get a hundred plus emails, and you want them to know exactly who you are and what you bring to the table right away without them having to open up attachments. Yeah, makes sense. It's the same. I equate it to the same thing as a player making his highlight film to send to a college, but just put that flashiest play first. Right. Right. Well, Coach, I, I wanted to ask you um, if, if a young coach or just anybody in general that wanted to incorporate some wing tee into their triple option, where, where would you recommend it would be like a, a clinic that somebody could go to, especially like in our region here in the South? Oh, by far the, uh, yeah, the Dublin, the Dublin Clinic, the Southeast Wing Tea Clinic, uh, put on by uh, Coach Holmes there at Dublin High School. It's the best clinic I ever been to. Better than any of the Nike clinics. Better than the Glaciers. I mean, I learned so much there. I had the honor of speaking there uh, last year, and uh, uh, but I learned so much there. There's so many knowledgeable coaches there. And then, you know, after the the clinic part, there's that little social hour that they have, and it's just like the clinic even continues even further. And, it was very well done, very well organized, and anybody who goes there is going to learn a ton. That little napkin knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to plug the uh, sister to that, or the brother maybe. That's the National Wing Tea Clinic in Pittsburgh, because those guys are working together all the time. So, um, and and I went to it this year. It was great. Same thing, you know. Social hour continues. It was, it was really good, really, really good. So. I wanna. I would agree with all of that for sure. And, and I think the best. The best part about it is it's all high school coaches, right? You know, and, and the college coaches. I mean, their clinics are great, uh, and I, I like going to them and learning learning the things that they do. But sometimes they forget that they get to recruit all their players to fit into exactly what they want to do. As high school guys, we kind of get what we get if you're you know doing the things the way you're supposed to be doing them. You get what you get, and and, and you have to, that's what you have to coach with. And you got to coach them up and you got to put them in situations to be successful. And what I really liked about the, the wing T clinic there at Dublin was that it was, it was all high school guys and almost all of them touched on that, that, you know, this is the way, you know, with, you got to get the player that you have and you have to get them to perform. There you go. Hey coach, so 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 uh, so, so what's next, man? What's the next book uh, you're gonna write? A, a RPO book or something? No, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> there's definitely many many other people that would be far more knowledgeable on that than I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just busting your balls a little bit. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's, it's a great concept. It's it's changing the game. It's just uh, again, uh, you'd better have a, a pretty good guy at quarterback and. Somebody who's able to take a few hits. Hey, coach, I, I love that uh, that you got the meme of the year, man, out there on uh, Twitter with the air raid inside run period, and it's like an old grandmother boxing a. <laughs> you know what I'm talking uh, yeah, about? I mean, that's, yeah, I remember. It's a, it's a, it's pretty. I like to poke fun at the the air raid stuff once in a while, but I mean, really, I mean, I don't really honestly have anything against it. I mean, when you really think about it. They're trying to do the same thing that the wing T guys and the option guys are doing. They're trying to if then you and go to where you're not, but they're trying to do it in a different way. And I just poke a little fun because I don't think it's very manly. <laughs> but hey, yeah, Air, no, Force, Air, Air Force handled that versus uh, Washington, uh, uh, Washington State this uh, this bowl, last uh, Cheez It Bowl, whatever it was. 
Yeah, that was a, they wanted no part of uh, tackling that fullback in that second half. That was an yeah. awesome game, man. Yeah, it sure was. Hey, uh, before we go, maybe why don't you go ahead and, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, where guys can can reach you online. I mean, I, you know, you've been out there for years, but just just for guys that maybe first time hearing you talk, just maybe talk about where guys can reach you and, you know, where you Awesome insurance. Right. Um, right now, I mean, I've, the only social media I have is Twitter, and it's at uh, DCoachVote. Uh, anybody can reach out to me at that at any time, and I'm more than willing to share anything. Of it. All i got to do is ask. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Coach. I really appreciate it, man. And uh, hey, Thank you guys for having me. I, it's, it was a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Have a good evening. You as well. That's going to wrap this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. You can download or listen to our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or the Google Podcast app. You can go on and rate us if you think we're any good and leave us some comments that you might think uh, you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Again, I'm Matt McLeod. You can reach me on Twitter at RunTheTriple. Again, that's at RunTheTriple. Our Mesh Point Podcast uh, has its own Twitter page. And that is at the mesh point again at the mesh point you can also find me on flexbonenation.com have an option blog there and write articles and have plays uh, that can help you out particularly during the season all right tony i want you to let the listeners know how they can get you on social media all right, guys, go to Three Face Football on Twitter at Three Face Football, and uh, you'll you'll be able to follow my account. And um, the cool thing about it is, is every Monday we do something called Mesh Point Monday, and basically I'll post out four questions concerning a triple option topic. And it's a great opportunity for coaches all around uh, the country and uh, to, to get together and network and and uh, get to know each other and you know we'll talk about some kind of triple option topic. So catch uh, catch that every Monday, eight o'clock Eastern. And uh, what you want to do is search the hashtag MeshPoint to see everybody's responses uh, to to the four questions. Uh, like I said, great great way to uh, build our networks and, and and learn some things. It's like an ongoing webinar on Twitter, so it's real cool. Also, check out the website threefacefootball.net. Uh, we've got some cool gear, like Fear the Veer, you'll see in the background here. Uh, Fear the Veer stuff, uh, mesh point gear, and, and other things like that. So uh, go check out that website as well.